It's not too late to get signed up for Inside Out, March 28th and 29th in Orlando, Florida. Just a few spots left, so be sure and sign up today. Just go to shootinsideout.com. You are listening to the Photobomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. I want to talk about something sexy today. Okay. Sexy. You've noticed I modulated my voice into a sexier NPR-esque delicious dish type of voice okay. for this. All right. All right. Probably the sexiest topic in all of the tech world. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm talking about a little thing called cable management. Oh, you, so you mentioned this to me last week, and I was afraid that you had gone down a rabbit hole. I have. I so have, yes, because what's more satisfying than taking just a, a spaghetti plate full of various cables and then unifying them into a beautiful chorus, working in tandem to give you the most optimal desk space, to give you the, the most freedom mentally, that peace inside that comes from having everything neat and tidy. Is there anything sexier than that that you can think of? It's indeed very sexy, mm-hmm. uh, but much like uh, that moment after sex when suddenly everything goes south on you and there's just, we need towels and there's a problem and there's a smell in the room and all the other things that come into, you know, with something that's sexy, there's a, ba- there's a downside. What's the downside? And that is that you get all your cables perfectly managed and then the first time there's a problem with any peripheral that is involved, now you got to go in and you got to take apart everything you put together so that you can get that one cord for your video camera that is not working right, or is and I, I, you got to trace it and find. Like I have just cords everywhere, but if I have to fix something, which is a lot, it's easy for me to trace the cord and fix it. Right. And and whenever I put them all together and bundle them up and make them nice and neat, it's only like a week before suddenly I have to go in there and take that bundle apart. Okay, I've I've got a solution for that too. Okay. I just need a little sexy background music. Okay, I, I don't have that for you. Velcro cable ties. Okay. Oh yeah. Still you're going to have to go in like crawl under a desk and undo those ties. And... It's it's you're you're making it sound like that it's that much more difficult than crawl under your desk, <laughs> unknot the ball of garbage cords that you have back there, pull on one right. end to see which one's like it's not like that much more difficult. I believe This will it... be the test. Here's the test. All a right. year from now, mm-hmm. look and see if your cable management is the same. Okay. Or, or if you at some point had to tear it apart and just been like, I screw this. I'm not going back in there and crawling under there to fix this all back up. I've already added a couple of cables. You don't even know what I've got going on down here, Boo Ray. I've got any. I don't know what you've got going no. on down there. I don't want to know. Let me show you what's there. below my desk right now. I don't want to know. Oh, yes. Let's, <laughs> no, I don't want to know. I want you to. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's lovely. I'm just saying, I, you know me about organization. I'm a guy, I should be the guy who's 100% behind that. And I have been so many times where I've spent that time and made it just beautiful and clean, but it just never lasts, mm. much like your bathroom. Mm, yeah, well, it's time for you to get down on your knees 
crawl under my desk okay. and take a look at what's going on underneath. All right. I'm just doing everything I can to completely ignore the blatant <laughs> references that you were making in this podcast. I have something to talk about. All right. Let's okay. Seriously, like if you don't want to talk about cable management, just say so, and then we'll okay. move on. All right. If <laughs> it, look, if the sexual tension is getting too much for you. I thought we had. I thought we had run its. It had run its course. Is there more about cable management, Gary? That Look, we can I tell discuss? you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start a new podcast all about all right. cable management, and you're not probably invited. be more me su- more successful than ours. I'm not kidding. It wouldn't be. Hard. I'm sure that I'm sure it would be. It would not be hard, but yes, it would be more successful because all there right. are people out there who just they go crazy with the cable man. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm into. Well, I got a whole new desk set up. I got new monitors. I got a new computer, and the the thing that ties it all together. I've got a lovely felt desk mat on top for everything to rest on to soothe my to soothe my hard worked hands my finger pushing hands it's just it's a thing of beauty and maybe i'll share a picture uh, in the bombardier's launch maybe i'll make a youtube video about this but this it's just every day i come in and it's like ah so you know please but i'm sure you have something that's way more important to talk about than my mental health please continue no no not i don't i don't and and i i relate to that I'm a person who likes everything in its place. And I yeah, have I can tell by looking around at your office behind I have frustration. <laughs> it's right where I know it. I know exactly where it's supposed to be. Everything's right where it's supposed to be. A giant bottle of lotion and a box of Kleenex are right that is, there. There is no there. bottle of lotion. There is, in fact, a box of Kleenex. And you know, that a box of Kleenex on your desk, it's what you use to clean your nose. That's what it's there for. You mean you use a Kleenex as opposed to like picking your nose and or wiping it on your sleeve? Exactly. I use a Kleenex like a civilized human being. You use a what? A Kleenex. A, a what? A Kleenex. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right. So, um, you ever you ever make a note during the week because you think of something and you go, "Oh, I need to talk about this on the podcast." So you make a note. I have in the past, and it, it ne- I haven't noticed a negligible difference in how the podcast turns out. Quality I, still sucks either way. Yeah, when I prepare and when I don't, right. it's pretty much right. the same. But like, if I'll just make a little note, I'll just make a little note, like a couple. Oh, a little note. So this week, I have, I made a note last week, and the note says, "Surprise horse," <laughs> and I have no idea. No idea what that's about. I'm just Wait. looking at it, going surprise horse. What what horse was what what does that mean? What story do I have that goes along with surprise horse that I thought was so important that I had to talk about it on the podcast, and yet and yet I can't remember what. Obviously, obviously, it was such a great story that I thought surprise horse was all I would need to read in order to remind myself of this great story that I'm going to tell Gary. In order, in order to, to make this podcast what it is, I believe we need to add a new segment about conjecture, where we're going to take your, your, your you know, Kevin Spacey and Seven type of mad ramblings in a notebook, which are yes. probably even illegible or written in a dead language like Aramaic, and we're going to figure just, out what surprise a, horse a, means. Just, just on the outside of my, just out there in the ether, there's a little floating, little bit of something that I'm like... I kind of can. What what was I kind of got a little piece of something, but I don't have it yet. So stay tuned, <laughs> bombardiers. We're gonna find out. I'll obsess over this for the next week, and at some point, hopefully, it'll come to me what the surprise horse story was. Okay. Did a did a did, did someone get a horse as a gift? No, no. Did no, a just, did, is it wedding related? Did a groom surprise his bride by showing up on a horse? Bingo, bingo. Thank you. 
There it is. Surprise horse. Hey. Surprise horse. I mentioned it to you. I think it was off the show. I mentioned to you that at the last wedding I worked, I asked my bride, the last thing I asked her at the final consultation was, is there anything I didn't need to know about at the wedding? Anything else I need to know about? And she said no. And then at the wedding, right. she came out in a horse-drawn carriage. And I was just like, really? You couldn't have told me you were going to have a horse-drawn carriage at your wedding so I could have been ready for it. That's what the story was. Thank you. That was the surprise horse. God, that's question. so mundane compared to what we could have come up with. Yes. You know? It would have been like... much better if we just invented something. <laughs> but that's what it was. The fact that I was like, suddenly here comes a horse, a giant carriage with a horse and the whole thing. And I'm like, how come nobody told the photographer there was going to be a horse? Well, you know, because back in college, there was a thing we did called the surprise horse. But it yes, was. Yes, exactly. Well, we don't talk about it. Now. But, you know, that's. Because uh... times have changed. I just want to... Not, not to mention there is the gag order. Yes, exactly right. Well, we signed an NDA. Um, right. Speaking of you getting down on your knees, you should thank me now for the week of tearing your brain apart trying to remember what that was. Yes, I would have too. I'd be like, surprise horse, because there was a piece of it out there. Oh, by the way, I have another note. Okay, go for it. And I think that this is scientifically should be investigated. Okay. Uh, you know that in this Hold whole on, let COVID, me get my kit. Get the kid out. We need some scientists involved with this now. And you, and this whole COVID thing, I've never gotten COVID. Yeah. Right? Uh, my kids brought it home. Everyone in my house got it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it the first time. I didn't get it the second time. Uh, I've, I've been immunized. I've been boosted. Uh, but I also never get sick. I never get flu. I don't get viruses. I don't get any of that stuff, right? Now, here's the test that I would like to see done. I would like to see a deep test done into all people who were in band in middle school and high school <laughs> to see what their immunity response is versus other people. Because if you were in band, you know what I'm talking about. All the instruments have spit valves and you just release it right onto the floor of the band. When you're in band every day, you are just walking around in a pool of other people's spit. That sounds so gross. It's just, it's gross as can be. There's just spit all over the floor. But now I am convinced... I am convinced that I am unbreakable. I am immune now to all horrible, horrible viruses and conditions because my immune system was subjected to the spit of an entire classroom full of kids when I was in middle school every single day. And I think there should be some testing done to find out if banned kids have a higher immune system than non-banned kids. This is... um. Totally one of the grossest things I've thought about because I, <laughs> this is the thing, if you never in band, you didn't know this. So if I had wanted to be in band, I would have quickly, quickly decided that I wanted to play a stringed instrument instead. <laughs> Sat on the other but there side. Was no of string, the there were no string instruments in Violin? Most Sometimes that's orchestra. See, a violin uh, orchestra has a violin. Yeah, not, def definitely is, no violins in the marching band. That's, uh, yeah, a band is brass and woodwinds. Well, and drums, of course. Percussion. But sure. yeah, you just, you just, I mean, so everybody's just constantly just blowing spit out all over the floor. Ugh. Yeah, right there. And I'm like, that's got to do something to your immune system. Funny enough, it sounds a lot like the surprise horse. Yes, it does. There are similarities between surprise horse and being in band. Well, there you have it. So I, um, I did something bad this week. Again? Hmm. Well, not just one thing, but I did one thing that's pertinent to the, the topics we regularly discuss on the show. Right. I was going to pick up some food for my family. There's this great Indian restaurant by us called Tamarind, and it is outrageously expensive, but it is fantastic. So, I mean, it's we, we to get like three entrees 
and a side of naan bread is like 60 bucks. Like it is not an inexpensive restaurant, especially, but at that, at dinner, that's how much it costs at lunch. It's like $12 for all that same amount of food. I don't understand it. It's, mm. it's the way of the world. But so I'm with Al Banky. Al is my studio admin and good friend. And he was visiting. We we're doing our annual company meeting. This is where we sit down and we, you know, crunch the numbers from the last year, make our projections for the following year and make all of our plans to make those things happen. It's kind of like a, you know, a marketing and whatever. Anyway, so anyway, Al's staying at the house. He and I go on a mission to pick up Indian food. And Al knows me well. He knows my aversion for back-end parking, right? But this isn't what was in my head at the time. So I, I see a parking spot, and it's one that's right in front of the door to the restaurant in this plaza, and I get excited. And I see a really nice Tesla that has sort of stopped near the spot. But it, 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 from the angle and everything, it looks like they had been parked backwards and were pulling out and had just stopped for a second because I think the guy might have been looking at his phone. I don't remember. So I did the little jog, went around and slipped front ways like, like you do right mm. into the parking spot. And then we realized when I saw that the reverse lights were on in his car, Ah, he was backing in. So, uh, yes. So I took. Oh, see, now we're in a quandary Mm -hmm. because you're in the wrong. However, he's a douche. Yeah. However, he's a douche. (laughs) And and, and he was taking his sweet ass time. For those people who say backing in is more efficient, it certainly is because it was taking him a little while to line this up. But I just zipped around and I was in there. Bingo, bingo, bongo. The Tesla doesn't park itself. I would think that the Tesla would back itself in. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm surprised they don't have like flying car launch pads for Teslas in every parking lot. But so immediately I was like, I sat there for about half a second and thought about it. It's like, well, screw him. But then again, I was like, okay. In in his mind, in his world, he was probably doing what he thinks is normal and acceptable. It's not. And. So I went, I popped the car into reverse, and I was going to start to back out and go around to the other side, give the guy the spot. But he then speeds off. And normally there'd be like a squeal and an engine revving, but it's a Tesla. So it was like, like yeah. he did an angry little <laughs> bee buzz away from the park spot. And then I, I was like, well, I guess it's our spot now. Because if I back out, then somebody else will take it and it might as well just stay here. So I parked it, and Al's looking at me like, you bastard i was like that's I didn't right mean now to. i don't want to be the guy in the car with you i didn't I'm, mean to i didn't mean yeah. to i thought he was pulling out i didn't know he was he was parking and so we walk up to the restaurant and i watch the guy go around to the next row and find a parking spot it's like two over and one away so he still gets a good parking spot and he parked in front ways by the way the second time i just wanted to point that out I, which I, <laughs> he wasn't gonna take that chance again which i realized was good so then he gets out of the car and i look at al and i go He's and we're waiting in the foyer or whatever of the restaurant for them to bring our to-go order, and I go, Al, he's coming here. He's coming right in. And this is a small restaurant with a tiny little foyer where everybody stands to pick up their to-go orders next to the people that are all waiting to be seated. And so there's like five of us already in this little area, and the guy's with his with his son and his daughter, and he's walking across the parking lot up to the front of the restaurant. And there's like a mil- there's a Petco next door. There's there's a TJ Maxx. There's a whole bunch of stuff like right next to this. He could be going to any store. And as soon as he set foot on the parking lot, I was like, he's coming right here. He's coming into this restaurant. He's coming here. And lo and behold, he walks right into the restaurant. And so I have a choice. So what do you do in that? Cause I, I walk up to him and I say something because I talk to everybody. I walk up to him and I, hey, dude, 
Hey man, I'm so sorry. I I thought you were. I didn't realize you were getting the spot. And when I realized that, I, I went to back out, but you had already zoomed off. But I certainly didn't mean to take your spot, man. I'm sorry. Which is what? Which is which is what I did? Yeah, I went. I, I went would. right at the guy, and I go, "Hey, was well, you're it? like me. You're not. You're not the put my head in the sand, skulk away person. You're the let's go face this head on." Well, sometimes they take a while to get the food. I just didn't want to stand in this tiny enclosed space yeah. with this guy seething next to me, and so I was just so magnanimous about it. But in my head, I'm going. If you'd have been, if you weren't back in parking, that'd have been your spot. <laughs> that'd have been so, your. So there was a little bit. You're you're like, hey, I'm so sorry, but in your head, you're like, you deserved it. Look, dude, law of the jungle. This is a parking lot. Those are the rules. You're gonna you're gonna park, and this is a parking lot where all of the spots are angled in one direction. Like all of the all of the all of the throughs are in one direction. Right. And so, like to back in park. You have to drive past it and do like a six hundred degree rotation. Oh, oh okay. They're they're slanted. Yeah. You can't back in park into the slanted. Unless it's also, a pull through. Yeah. When you when you pull out of that spot, you're going the wrong direction. Right. So yeah, no. If you no, I no, I'll bet it off. You're trying to back into a slanted spot, you are not following the law of the parking lot. Well, okay, let's let's full disclosure. This is one section of the spot that has five parking spots that are not slanted. The rest of the parking lot is slanted. So I would argue that the culture of this parking lot is intended to get people to move in that direction. And so he found the one place that he could back in park his car in the parking lot. And so anyway, I I spoke to him. I apologized. And inside, I was still smug and happy about it. So I, I got to pretend <laughs> well, to be a good person on the outside, and I and yeah. I got to be a bad person on the inside. That's what's important. Yeah, that's as long right. as you maintain the bad person on the inside. Yeah, thank God he couldn't read my mind, because I was like, I was cheesing. I was like, yeah. yep. <laughs> you see, back in parking, see how great that worked out for you there, Chief? It didn't, did it? The spot is mine. I, uh... I had, we had a thing uh, this week in the Bombardier's Lounge. Somebody asked uh, for me to talk about something. And we, we, I wanted to mention this to you before we were on the air, but I didn't think about it. So I'll bring, I'll bring it up now. Joe Impostato. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. No, Joe. you're not. It's not? How do you pronounce it? Hold on. I'm looking it up. I remember the post because he, he, yeah. Impost- Impostato. Impastato? Yeah, no, you did fine. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good shot at Joe's name. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a good Bure shot at it. So I'll, I'll really, I M P A S T A T O, impostado. It sounds like you're saying impostado. 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 If you keep asking me to say it, it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I'd like you to repeat it. If you're- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's anyway. from Massachusetts. <laughs> uh, Joe. He uh, he posted in the group. In the group, and by the way, if you're not in the group, you need to be in the group. The Bombardiers Lounge on Facebook. And he posted, "I turned forty today." And from what I gather, Bure started his business when he was around this age. I realize that you're never too old to start something new, uh, but uh, that has been a great confidence booster for me. And I'm wondering if the Boo, which I found funny, the Boo would want to talk about his journey a bit on the show. Do we want to talk about my journey, Gary, a, a bit on the show? Look, you've got four minutes. Let's make it happen. That's all it takes. No, I yeah. think you have a... Yeah, I mean, people are often... Nobody's fascinated by the fact that I worked at restaurants and as a construction worker and stuff like that. Those aren't interesting. And that you're legacy. You're also legacy. And those aren't interesting jobs. Yeah, your parents were photographers. Right, right. right. You know, like, so yeah. basically I tried a bunch of stuff that didn't work out and then I went and got a job doing what my dad does. So yeah, right. no, that's super fascinating. But you... Well, I will say... I will say this. I was working on my program for WPPI, which by the way, next week, Gary and I both, Las Vegas, Nevada, at so the Mirage, WPPI. 
And um, we're actually recording this a day late because Jerry, uh, Gary was in the zone working on his program yesterday, so deep in the zone that he texted me two hours before we were supposed to record and said, I'm in the zone on my program. We're going to have to put it off till tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's that's a zone that you're two hours out and still you're like, I think I'm still well, going to be Well, just in. as an aside, writing keynote presentations is so tedious for me. I hate it so much. And I put it off and put it off and put it off. But once it's it's almost like jogging, you know, like you never feel good about it until afterward. And so right. I sit down and I write it and I'm like clacking away, getting my thoughts organized. And I was like, in, and I was like, if I stop this, I'm, I'm going to be doing this on the plane on my way to Vegas. So I was like, right. let, me, let me just get it done. So I will say this about Joe's uh, comment there in the group. I went back to my presentation and I changed it a little bit. And to uh, further embrace the fact that I started late in my career, because I do think that there are people, especially newer photographers, who can get a little inspiration out of the fact that they'd sit around going, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this thing. And then they look at me, a guy who started when he was like 42 and made a career out of it. And they go, OK, well, if he can do it. Right, you know right. I mean? and, and started it after basically losing your shirt. I lost everything. So I was a I was a, a disc jockey when I was 17 years old. I got my first job in radio. I went to college for a radio, television, film, and I had a career in radio. So I did 20 years as a radio disc jockey, and during that time, I was also a nightclub disc jockey, often at the same time, doing both jobs at the same time. Uh, so I worked in nightclubs in Tampa, Florida, and in Dallas, Texas, and I worked in radio, and I worked at ABC Radio Network. I had a national show that was in 43 states and 68 markets and worldwide on Armed Forces Radio Network with about a million listeners. So that was the last thing I was doing. And then in 2001, I retired and I got married and I moved to Florida where my family lived. And my wife had a business in title insurance. Title insurance is what you buy. Whenever you get a house, you have to get title Speaking insurance. Speaking of sexy, yeah. <laughs> title insurance very, is sexy. Title insurance. And so she built this business up and it became very successful. So in 2007, we're going great and we're doing about $1.5 million a year in sales. And we have 12 employees and I'm a stay-at-home dad and I'm doing all the books for the business. And then the housing market crashes and we lose everything. I mean, we're out. We're done. A month later, we're done. You know, it, one week I'm putting $25,000 a week deposits into the bank and the next week, nothing. Gone. Wiped wow. out. We're living in a $750,000 house where, I mean, it's every, we, we're living the good life, baby. I'm on my way to being rich. And then boom, it all goes away. So we have no income for a year while we try to regroup and figure out what we're going to do. So I don't want to go back to radio because radio has changed a lot over the years. And I would have had to start back at the bottom and work part time somewhere for years and years and years. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, so the only thing I'd ever loved besides radio was I had been a photographer in high school. I had my own dark room and, and I had done the yearbook pictures, et cetera. And so I decided to be a photographer. And when I say I was a photographer in high school, I literally didn't know what depth of field was. Right. Like I didn't know, like you turn the dial on the camera until the needle was in the middle and then you took the picture. That was all I knew. I didn't understand anything else about photography theory, nothing. So I was really starting from scratch. Uh, so I threw myself into it uh, 60 hours a week, reading, watching videos, doing everything I could to try and figure out how to do this. And I shot everything I possibly could shoot. And I got any work I could get. I did dance pictures. I did portraits. I did babies. You name it, I did it. And then eventually got to where I really got like doing weddings. And so then I became mostly a wedding photographer. And then I started doing a lot of bar mitzvahs. And now I do a lot of headshots as well. Uh, and that's my story, you know, but the bottom line is I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not a great photographer. I'm not the best photographer on this podcast. I'm not the best photographer in the state of Florida, the state of Tampa. I'm not the best photographer who's listening to this podcast. I am just a journeyman. 
I'm just a, if I can just do this well enough to make a living at it, that's what I really want to do. I'm not the guy who sits up at night, can't get to sleep because he's trying to envision his next project that he wants to do. Thank yeah, God. I'm not, that sounds no. awful. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And Gary's not either. No. <laughs> Gary's no. absolutely not that guy. I have to force myself to, to do creative work. Yeah, and more power to those guys. I love, you know, I love those people without a doubt. I, you know, and, I, and I have a certain degree of envy for those people who get that out of it. I mean, but the joy that I get out of photography is when I just get that shot that would have been a difficult shot. I like overcoming obstacles. Right. That's what makes me happy as opposed to creating from scratch. Getting a professional quality shot in a nearly impossible circumstance. Yeah, yeah. right. That's what I really, really enjoy. enjoy. Um, so if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, Gary, Gary's a legacy. He grew up in it. But I mean, I went at it cold at like 42. And then within... Two years, three years was profitable. Yeah, that's, you know, that, I think that's the thing that's it's interesting is that um, you do have to put the work in, you know yes. what I mean? And I think that it, there is a lot to learn. What's funny is that I remember when I got my first digital camera and I was taking pictures and I obviously had a natural inclination towards composition. I wouldn't say that I took good pictures, but I wanted to make interesting pictures. And so I had been around it enough. And, but, but point being, when you're new and you don't know anything, every picture you take is great. And the more you learn, the worse you get, or, oh the, God, the, or yes. you, the more you realize how bad you are. And then it's oh basically my God, like, yes. You go back and look at your old stuff. And oh, although I will had, I was looking at some old wedding stuff uh, to try and find some pictures for my um, program. And I came across a few pictures. I was like, we gotta save that. That might be actually be competition level. That, you know, that might be something there. <laughs> I was really surprised at some of my early work that had. You know, like I, I, um, I had a image um, go might have gone loan in weddings last year that I think was from my second or third wedding. Yeah, I mean, even a blind yeah. squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Yeah, it's everything. exactly what like. happened. It's exactly <laughs> what happened there. You know, so uh, so you'd be surprised, but most of the time you just look back at that stuff and you go, "Oh, I hadn't learned bounce flash yet." And, right. and I didn't understand posing yet. And I didn't, you know, and so you just, you really never stop learning. They say it's a cliche, but it's true. You really never stop learning. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's pretty awesome though, to go like where the thing that I run into a lot is, is teaching is I get a lot of people who are definitely past their young adulthood, you know, I would say 35 and older who photography is something that they aspire to do professionally and they don't know how. Or they're afraid to leave a job. And I'm not saying you should necessarily leave your job or anything, but like it's absolutely doable. It is a set of skills that you can turn into something that you can sell. And it's not rocket science. It's just sort of taking that leap to do it, learning the fundamentals, and more importantly, learning how to run a business. You know? Well, yeah, there's two sides to the coin, and you can't ignore either side. Because I see both, right? You see the people who market like crazy, and they really go after marketing, but their images aren't quite good enough. They could probably still make money, though. Yeah, They probably do still make money, but it'd be so much easier if they had to work to back it up. And yeah. then you see the people who are great photographers, but they don't do anything to market themselves well, and as a result, nobody finds them. And, and they don't understand the, the, the world is not going to be the path to your door in this case, you, just because you're a great photographer, you've got to also market and everything. So my thing has always been, I'm just a good enough photographer and just a good enough marketer to make a living and support my family. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not the best at either one of them, but it's just enough for me to make a living. And yeah. that's and really, that's all I was ever going for, was trying to keep us from going into the poorhouse. Thanks, Joe, for that topic. That's awesome. And, and if you have anything you'd like us to discuss on the show, get into the Bombardier's Lounge, the Bombardier's 
Lounge on Facebook. And, uh, you know, talk to us. We love to hear suggestions for topics, and we will absolutely ignore what most of you put. But all the good ones, we'll pick out and talk about the good ones for sure. I saw something this week. I was listing a, a listing of laws, laws like, you know, Murphy's Law and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And I wrote one of them down because I thought this was so great you would appreciate it. It's called Cunningham's Law. Okay. And, and the law is the best way to get the right answer on the internet is not to ask a question, but to post the wrong answer because people online are more interested in criticizing you than they are helping you. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> it that's is. It's kind of sad, it. although it's very like negative, negative gets attention. Yeah, if you say, hey, what's two plus two? A few people will say four. But if you go on to say two plus two equals five, the whole world will come on to tell you that it's four. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and, and not read the comments to see that you've already been corrected yes. 50 <laughs> times. Yeah. Well, it's the yeah. same yeah. thing when you make a YouTube video. Like my most popular video of the last 10 that I've put out is a negative clickbaity title. It says, photographers do not buy this iPhone. And it's just right. crushing it. You know what I mean? And if I had to put like my review of the iPhone 13 mini, it would probably be like half that. And, right. and and a lot of the comments, and it's got my least percentage of thumbs up of any video I've ever made at like 92% or something, which in terms of YouTube is pretty low. You know, usually like 96, 97 or higher is good. So like the, the idea that people respond to negative, they want to jump in and either watch you trash something they hate or defend something that they love. And like that yeah. is very, yeah. So I mean, I would say that Archie Cunningham's law is probably, you know, fairly accurate. Yeah. All right. Before we move into the next thing, we do need to run down what's happening in our world because so much is happening in the month of March. Yeah, really I'm, I'm leaving for Vegas in three days. Yeah, I'm leaving. You're going in three days because you're judging, mm-hmm. right? I'm not judging I, because I have to, uh, to do a bar mitzvah, which I'm really, I'm, I got to go do the bar mitzvah. It's the oldest of three kids, so I couldn't turn it down, but I really am disappointed because I was really looking forward to judging at WPPI again this year. I really was. Just to say, yes, you were definitely invited back to judge. Well, I was invited. Well, that's not, yeah, but I mean, that's that's neither here nor there. I was, I was ecstatic that they invited me, but I was unhappy that I'm not going to be able to do it. Uh, so coming up at WPPI in Las Vegas, March 1st, Tuesday, 6 p.m. is when I will be doing my, uh, my keynote uh, uh, called Bounce Flash, the Photographer's Secret Weapon, where I'll be talking about and demonstrating how to use Bounce Flash at a wedding, which is what I use to shoot probably 80 to 90% of my images at weddings. And then on March 2nd at 10 a.m., I'm doing a photo walk where I will also be demonstrating how to use Bounce Flash. And then what are you doing? Well, I have two classes on that same day, 8.30 in the morning until 10 o'clock a.m. I am going to be, uh, that is uh, Vegas time, I'm going to be teaching a platform class, which I've already, I'm pretty sure is going to be full. So you want to get there. Like it's called How to Shoot Volume Headshots. I'm going to open up a fire hose on this crowd of, of information. I just, I believe like I got 90 minutes and every single point that I'm trying to get across in this class is a 90 minute class. So this is right. going to be, whew, this is going to be a primer that is going to really give a lot of information. There's going to be no fluff. It's going to be like, let's get down to business with a live shoot showing you how I organize images in a volume setting in several different configurations. And then um, that evening at I think 5.30, something like that, I'll be doing a photo walk on intro to off-camera flash. Now, this is always pretty popular. I believe the photo walk is sold out. So um, tough titties, but yeah, that's cool. So, um, but we are going to be there. I will be judging and maybe we will work on a, meetup of some kind possibly vegas okay we never know we never know until we get there also coming up march 19th 
uh, on Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's a full-day class in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So if you're listening to my voice and you're up around Colorado somewhere and you want to come to this, you're going to love it because it's a full day, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., the complete wedding day photographer. It's $199. All you have to do is go to ppgcs.com. And then slash event. And you will find it listed there and you can sign up. I am going to go from beginning to end and I am going to do everything. I'm going to tell you about my gear. I'm going to talk about bounce flash, off camera light and natural light and the and how I shoot the day and how I pose people and you name it. It's the full complete wedding photographer start to finish in Colorado Springs on March 19th. And if you are in that area and you're a member of the guild or if you're not and you'd like to check them out, Come on March 17th, which is Thursday, to the actual guild meeting for PPGCS, and I will be talking about how to sell yourself and how to sell yourself to your clients, how to find out what it is that makes you tick, and then communicate that to your clients in such a way that makes them want to hire you. That's awesome. Awesome part of branding. You have to really understand what your appeal is in order to sell yes. it to other people. And yeah. if you You've either got to become what they want, or you've got to figure out a way to sell what you are. Yeah. And that yeah. connects and you with the right people. Yeah, and I think it's much easier to sell what you are than it is to try and change who you are. Yeah. So that's what I did. I absolutely just sell who I am. And then, and then there's the big dog. The big dog. Yeah. There's and there are what three spots left? Yeah. It's uh, it's t- it's getting close. It's getting tight. It's only yeah. a couple of spots left. And three this, spots left. I would say that this is probably the most important event of the year. I would say possibly uh, it might be in in the 200 years of photography education. Yes, this, this might, might be, be the single greatest thing that's ever been done. Welcome to Inside Out. Welcome to the future. Welcome to the future of photography workshops. This is going to be it <laughs> because uh, we are going to be teaching March 28th and tw- and 29th. On the 28th, we are going to be doing a full day of live shooting. And training, I'm going to be doing my studio lighting and posing techniques. Boo Ray is going to be doing his his location lighting and posing techniques. And you get to take both classes in a small classroom setting. It is limited to 30 people. That's 15 person per class. And afterward, we're going to get together. And in the words of Boo Ray, we're going to have a party. Yes, we're going to have a party. Absolutely. Uh, It's going to be fantastic because it's going to be a small class size. So you're going to spend three, four hours with me, three, four hours with Gary, only 15 people in the class. So there's, you know... All the questions you have, whatever you can, it's right there. It's very, it's intimate as opposed to some of the bigger conventions where you come see us and there's 500 people in the room. Right. Uh, here, you absolutely are going to be able to delve deep into the issues that you need to discuss. So we're very excited about Inside Out and there are about three spots left. Yes. Uh, go to shootinsideout.com. Uh, to sign up and do it right away because uh, you're not going to get in. There, I know right now out there for somebody, the FOMO is killing you. Just pull the trigger. It's going to be awesome. COVID numbers yeah. are going down. Like it's yeah. the weather is incredible. It was 78 degrees here in Orlando yesterday. Yep. Like, yep. Yep. Las Vegas dropped their mask mandate uh, last week. The cruise lines dropped their mask mandate last week. Uh, so I'm very excited to to see that we were right in our planning. And that Inside Out is going to hit right when the pandemic is at its lowest spot that it's been at in two years. Yeah, that's it. So it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be it's going to be so great. I'm looking forward to it. Shootinsideout.com, guys. Sign up. Get get those last three spots. All right, it is that time. Time for photography news. Photography, photography news. All right, a lot of good photography news this week. Yeah, we don't get a lot of camera news, and camera news is a lot this week. Right. Before we talk about the cameras, though, I do, want, I do have to talk about this because I know my Fuji people absolutely are excited about this. Sigma 
which I would say Sigma is probably the, the number one third-party lens manufacturer in terms of, of perceived quality. I would say that for the cameras that most people use, I say because Leica makes some uh, third-party lenses for other ones, Hail Leica, and, and Zeiss is also right. a, a popular one. But I would say as far as what pros are actually out there using, I'd say Sigma is probably the preferred third-party lens, yeah. Right. Most people, they're either going to have the lens that's made by the manufacturer of their camera body, or if they're going to have a lens that isn't made by that manufacturer, more often than not, it's going to be Sigma. I would say they're preferred, not necessarily the best-selling. Right. Tamron's, Tamron's in there. Yeah. Pe- people go with Tamron, too. But I always feel like Sigma, really, especially in the last, like, six years or so, mm-hmm. has really come... People are starting to go, the Sigma lens is just as good as, you know, my Canon lens or my right. Fuji lens. You've heard that. Uh, so they have finally um, released three lenses for the Fuji X lens system. This is a big deal for Sigma. They're saying they're going to be doing a lot more, but they've, they've come right out, of, right out of the gate with three lenses, not one, but three. And it's uh, prime lenses, the 60 millimeter, the 30, and the 56, which would equate to about a 24 millimeter, a 50, and an 85. They are all F1.4 lenses. Uh, I'm really excited to see if these are going to be the quality that you've come to expect from Sigma. And the pricing is right in there, man. The pricing is uh, $374, $264, and $404. How does that compare to the pricing for equivalent Fuji lenses? I wish I had those numbers in front of you, but if I had to guess, I would say the Fuji lens probably start around five to 600 Okay, so this is going to be solid quality lenses at a slightly less of a span. Right. Well, you're talking about a 30 millimeter F1.4, which is about a 50 millimeter equivalent, 55 millimeter F1.4 lens for 264 that's yeah. unbelievably great. Probably. The 16 millimeter, 20, a 24 millimeter F1.4 lens for 374 Yeah, that's good right, prices. That's excellent, excellent pricing. So if you're a prime shooter uh, with Fuji, you definitely want to start taking a look at uh, these Sigma lenses that are coming out. Right on. Well, on to um, some other interesting news in the world of Canon rumors. We covered a story a couple of weeks ago about how Craig from Camera Rumors was selling Camera Rumors and it was going to be temporarily shut down. Um, It looks like that it's back up and running under new management. I saw the first post for a while, and this one is kind of a doozy for those Canon users out there. Um, uh, This is CR2 out of the CR1, 2, and 3 level rumors. So this is from a fairly reliable source that this year Canon is going to have, is going to announce the development of or start selling a 75 megapixel rf mount camera so this is going to be the big high megapixel daddy now i i would imagine that this is probably going to be another kind of r5 a variation on r5 they've got that solid foundation uh, rather than a something like an r1 coming out with a you know a 75 megapixel sensor so this will be for those enthusiasts and professionals who really want that ultra high megapixel count for whatever the reason is that they use it. I think that this would probably be as long as it has the fast frame rate of at least 10 frames per second mechanical and something like 20 frames per second electronic. This is going to be the camera that all you bird photographers have wanted and have been yelling at me about on my YouTube channel because this will be the one where you can take a picture of uh, of uh, you know something that's really small in the frame and still crop it down quite a lot for those people who crop quite a bit out of their images. So among that, landscape photographers and you know other I, I mean I don't 
I'm working with 45 megapixels right now and it's almost too much. So 75 would be, I don't know, right out for the work that I do. But for those people who are looking for that high megapixel count um, and want to stay in the Canon line, this looks like it might be coming your way this year. So there's a story about the new camera from Olympus. And we've talked about this, that Olympus, uh, since they uh, were sold, that the Olympus name is going to die. Right. It's uh, OM that, Digital now, I yeah. think. OM Digital, they're going to still make cameras, but they're not going to call them Olympus cameras, which is a shame because not only is Olympus a storied and, and, and long-respected brand, but it's also an awesome name for a camera. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's literally the home of the gods. Uh, so it's a shame that they're going to stop using Olympus, but they are releasing one final camera with the Olympus name on it. It is going to be called the OM-1. That, it, by the way, is the shortest name for an Olympus camera. <laughs> yeah, the OM-1. Well, when I first started shooting back in high school, the OM-10 was a big camera. Right, yeah. I remember the OM-10 was like you the Canon AE-1, the, the Olympus OM-10, uh, the Pentax uh, ME, and I don't know what the Minolta equivalent was at that time. Um, but um, the, the specs on this camera are pretty impressive. It's a Micro Four Thirds camera, mm -hmm. and it's like they're going out with a bang. I mean, they're just like, you know what? If this is going to be the last one with the Olympus name on it, we are going to do it up right. They, they claim the dynamic range is going to be better than ever. The ISO goes up to 25,600. It's expandable to 102,400. It's got like seven stops of image stabilization built into it. But the thing that I thought was most interesting was it's going to have computational photography built into it. It's not going to be at the level of your cell phone, but it is going to have a 50 megapixel high resolution mode where you take a picture and it basically, I'm guessing using pixel shifting, is going to turn this into a 50 megapixel image. Right. So yeah. that's cool, right? And that's new. It's got um, an ND64 live system built into it, which is basically a live neutral density filter built into the camera, a mode built into the camera. So if you want to do those super long exposures and get that creamy water, it's built in. You don't have to put a, uh, a you know a filter on the front of your camera. It's going to be faster speed, et cetera. But this is what I thought was interesting. The very end of the story is that this will be the world's only, only Gary, IP53 rated camera. And what that means is, it's the second highest level of dust protection and protection against the elements that you can possibly achieve. I don't know what the IP system is for ratings, but IP53 is the second highest one you can get. This camera will be freeze-proof, splash-proof, and able to function in temperatures as low as negative 10 degrees Celsius. This is coming from a micro four-thirds camera from a line that's not going to exist anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, that just seems so... Like, how come no one else has has come out with a camera before now and said, we've got the highest rated camera when it comes to dust resistance. How come no one else? Why is, why is it coming from Olympus at this moment? Look, I honestly couldn't tell you, but if this is OM Digital's really first foray using the technology that they've acquired through buying Olympus, they knocked it out of the park. Just a couple of things. Olympus, I think, are particularly popular with wildlife photographers. That micro four-thirds format gets you that much closer crop and, and, and I would think that it's a lot lighter and easier to carry around because of its size. But this thing is going to have 
improved autofocus and eye tracking it's going to be one that you could take to yellowstone and drop in a snow pile and it's going to be fine but it will shoot up to 50 frames per second blackout free with the autofocus tracking enabled at the full 20.37 megapixels it can go up to 120 frames per second if you lock the autofocus in place which is like essentially useless for wildlife photography but um you know this is not only that go over to the video side and it's going to have a, a 4K 60 frames per second, H.264 8-bit, H.265 10-bit. Like, it, it's more. It, it's going to be a very capable camera, too, for creators. Like, it does it's a got, lot. It's, really got, two, cool it's got two char- uh, two card slots on it. Yeah. Um, it's got a USB-C port that will allow you to direct charge the camera in operation. Yeah. So you can take a power bank and plug it into this camera if it's sitting on a tripod and have it just sit there all day, which I actually really love this idea because I thought, yeah, you know, like as a wedding photographer, I would carry a power bank in my bag just in the off chance that, I don't know, something happened, my batteries were or whatever, and I could just pull that power bank out and plug it into my camera and then tape it to the bottom of my head, whatever I had to do to work to make my camera work. Instead of carrying eight batteries with me, I'd carry four batteries and a power bank. And that was my emergency. Right, you know, it was the power bank with my, my emergency if I, if I have a problem. But uh, it's gonna—I think it's gonna list for about twenty-two hundred. Let me double check and make sure. Yeah, I'm looking at that price. right now. Yeah, it says the uh, twenty-two hundred dollars, uh, which is kind of pricey, I think, for a Micro Four Thirds camera. I, it, look, the proof is going to be in the images. A- again, like they're leaning really hard on wildlife photographers because all of the images yes. that they're using to promote this. <laughs> yeah, this is sort every of, single picture is wildlife. I mean, and check this out because I, the the shutter is the mechanical shutter is rated for four hundred thousand actuations. Like that's nuts. Like the whole thing is really like impressive. If the, you know, we we do so many stories like about who the heck is this for you know like somebody makes right. something you're like i don't really know who this is for like olympus or om digital solutions is now like we know exactly who this is for yeah there's no doubt who this camera's and for. and the market for, for for people who photograph birds and wildlife and all that stuff like that's much bigger than the market of professional photographers and so you know this is a pretty good move in the right direction it is going to be sad to see the olympus name go but with something like this, this is going to instill confidence in the people who have used this brand under the name Olympus moving forward, being like, yeah, they're still serious about making cameras for us. And so, yeah, right. this is a really, really big move, I think. And uh, I think it, it looks great if it was not micro, you know, I, I would probably take a look at a camera like this if I was a nature photographer. This just seems for 2200 bucks to get all those specs um, seems pretty rad. But check it out. We'll post the link in the Bombardier's Lounge on Facebook where you can uh, take a look at some of the sample images and the specs. It's hard to say until you actually see the images, but I have a feeling this is going to be a very popular camera with those wildlife photographers for sure. Speaking of cameras mm-hmm. and micro four thirds, mm-hmm. the folks at Panasonic wait, are wait, coming wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Do you hear that? You hear that? What? Do you hear it? Mm. It's Panasonic news. It's oh, it's Panasonic. News. I haven't heard of Panasonic news in a really long time. <laughs> it's true. We don't talk about Lumix very often. No, but, we don't. Uh, but this is also a pretty big story in the world of Micro Four Thirds because Panasonic is launching its new GH6, mm-hmm. the Lumix GH6. It will have a 25.2 megapixel sensor, which is the largest sensor that you can get on a Micro Four Thirds that's a, camera. That's a big deal. That's that's not not a big deal. That's Up big until deal. now, Micro Four Thirds capped out at about 20. Right. And now 25, which would be exactly 20. 
25% more pixels on your camera. Uh, 10-bit video, active cooling, higher resolution. This uh, is this. The video features are really like... This is the thing that I about the GH. The GH. Well, I think a lot of people who buy the Lumix buy a lot for the video. The GH5, the GH4, these cameras specifically have been picked up by, I would say, people who do video, and it's a lot of run and gun video. They're very popular with wedding shooters. They're very popular with real estate shooters. They're very popular with small production commercial videos there are a lot of guys in our area who who do commercial video do this this is not the camera that you're going to buy if you're shooting an audi commercial but this is the camera that you're going to buy if you were doing like real estate talking head videos and and you know promo video like you can even shoot music videos daniel former podcast editor daniel has a gh5 and swears by it and it's a very impressive with its video features and so this is another camera, just like we were talking about the Olympus. They know exactly who this is for. Yeah, yeah. And I, I love this. I love that we're starting to see more of this where manufacturers are like, you know what? We're going to pick our lane and we're going to drive hard into that lane. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to be, you know, with my, the famous Ross Perot, the businessman, was once put onto the board of like General Motors. And he didn't last long on the board of General Motors uh, because he kept complaining over the fact that they made so many different types of cars. And his argument was, instead of trying to make all these different types of pins, just make one pin and make it the best pin in the world. That's what you should be doing is trying to make the one thing that's the best in the world. Uh, And I love this idea because it makes it so much easier as a consumer. Because you know, what do you like to shoot? Well, I like to shoot wildlife and birds. Okay, then, you know, Olympus is your camera. Oh, I like to shoot I, I'm video. I like to do video. I want to do a videographer. I want to do a wedding. You know, go take a look at Lumix. Yeah, I think that know. these um, Panasonic and Olympus, because they're leaning hard on the micro four thirds, I think you're going to see a lot more of the computational photography to yeah. sort of improve the image quality. And it says that they're, they've got a new Venus engine for this one that improves detail processing, noise reduction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, if you don't mind, I just, the video specs, I, I think I might have a little insight into some of this that, that if you don't mind me talking about it, I know that- Go you, ahead. You it's all Greek story. to me. Every time we talk video, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, uh, <laughs> the, the only thing I think that the Lumix is really lacking is it does, it's not quite on the, the, the autofocus train as well as some of the other brands. And I think that's the only thing, but you're going to be able to shoot this thing with its five axis, you know, image stabilization up to seven and a half stops of on sensor image stabilization. I mean, and you can use this in order to do a pixel shift mode on a tripod, you can get a 100 megapixel photo out of this. But this is, that being said, this is not a camera that you buy if you're a stills photographer. No, they, and they know that. This is going to be something that they really want creators to look at. Their biggest market is not only going to be in those like small businesses that shoot video commercially, Panasonic's biggest market that it needs to impress is going to be the video creators. And they've already created some very good higher end hybrid cameras like the SL1, which is a full frame, which is, you know, if you watch uh, DP Review, Jordan from DP Review swears by those Panasonics that they are the best camera for serious hybrid video creators. So if you could put something like this in a lower price point, and I think this one's going to come out at about two grand, 2200, much like the OM Digital uh, OM1. But this is going to have 
you know, so many incredible features, including that image stabilization. This is a camera they're aiming this right at creators. They want to take a big market share away from Canon and Sony, who seem to be the two favored brands. You don't go on YouTube and see a lot of these YouTubers using Nikon. Nikon isn't really made a good break into the creator market. So with these features, you're going to have the ability to shoot in uh, log in uh it's going to shoot in bt 2020 which means you're going to get hdr you know all the all these really forward looking stuff you're going to be able to shoot uh, 240 frames per second in full hd and 120 frames 120p in 4k 422 10-bit 4k at 60 i mean this is like a pretty great thing and and the, and the big upgrade the biggest upgrade is that they've added active cooling so this is going to increase the body size a little bit by about a half an inch deep and increase the weight by just a little bit um, but so it'll be slightly larger than the gh5 but here's the thing completely unlimited record times in all video modes including the 4k and that is going to be a big big change for a camera this size so it's going to have a fan that intakes blows stuff across the sensor and then out the other side to keep it cool and as well as a bunch of cool other stuff they've jiggered inside of it in order to make it dissipate heat a lot better i mean i'm just looking at the specs and i'm like this is pretty impressive so you'll be able to shoot in 5.7k and down sample that to 4k which is also huge for serious creators and the other thing that they've done is you will be able to record in Apple ProRes 422HQ, which basically means that no matter what footage you shoot with, you will, if you're editing in Premiere or especially in Final Cut Pro, ProRes 422 is Apple's proprietary video codec, which means if you're going to edit in Final Cut Pro, which a lot of people do, you'll be able to edit this footage without having to transcode it, which means you don't have to you know turn those super bulky C-Log H.265 into something else that you can actually edit on your machine. This should edit pretty smoothly if you record in that mode. They've also replaced the, um, the both card slots are now CF Express type B cards, which is going to be really, really important for, you know, shooting those higher quality images. Those cards are not cheap, but for anybody who's doing video seriously, you're absolutely going to want to shoot with that over like an SD card most of the time. So, I mean, really, if you're a creator, this is a pretty big shot across the bow. And I think that they're really trying to make a move into that creator market with this. Um, you'll be able to get it in mid-March, you know, uh, God willing, and the sun, water don't rise <laughs> for $2,200 body only or $2,800 bundle, bundled part of the bundle with a Leica 12 to 60 millimeter 2.8 to 4 variable lens which is going to be 12 to 60 millimeters on that camera will be a pretty good starting you know walk around lens not not unlike something like a you know 24 to 105 or something like that you know what else helps uh, helps with heat reduction is uh, cable management yeah that's true as long as you know what you're doing <laughs> cable management in your computer yeah Absolutely. Heat reduction. I used to, I just love that we're starting to get this feel now for there's like, like Canon and Nikon are like the big car manufacturers that have, you know, a million different brands. You know, you got, you got Pontiac and you got your Buick and you got your Chrysler and you got your, all your different brands and they make a little bit of everything. Yes. There's something there for everybody. And then Micro Four Thirds, look at Fuji. A video, look at uh, Panasonic. Micro Four Thirds, you mean APS-C, look at I'm sorry, APS-C. Fuji is where you want to go. Go look at Fuji first. You know, if you're interested in APS-C, you know, you want to shoot wildlife and birds, go take a look at Olympus. You want to do video, 
go take a look at Lumix and Panasonic. I like that everyone is starting to section off into their own world and concentrate on one certain type of photographer. Yeah, I think not, it, it, not only that, but I think that right now, especially since Canon hasn't come out with any APS-C censored cameras in the RF lineup yet, and right. we're supposed to get a couple of those this coming year, and I think that that is an opening for other manufacturers to go, well, if we get our cameras like the Lumix into the hands of creators and start pushing now, they'll already be bought into our system by the time. Because the APS-C cameras are the ones that end up being the most popular with your average right. YouTuber, creator, video content person because they're typically less expensive. And so are the lenses that usually go along with it. They, you know, just like in the, you know, the EOS line in the EF system and the EFS system. So this is a, the only gap they're going to get because if Canon brings the hammer down by the end of this year and comes out with its R7 kind of, you know, type camera to, to, for the, uh, you know, what are the 7Ds that they used to have? And, 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 it's, and, and here's the big one. It's new version of the Digital Rebel or the T7i or the T, you know, like those are the cameras that we're waiting for from Canon. And once those come out, Canon's marketing budget, it's bigger. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's spread is bigger. It's market penetration is bigger. So they gotta, they gotta make hay while the sun's out because when Canon comes out with those creator friendly cameras in the, in the APS-C sensor lineup, it could mean a big struggle for these companies. So they better get those hands and cameras in the hands of creators before that happens. All right. I think that about wraps up the show. Uh, the uh, Photobomb Podcast is uh, brought to you, as always, uh, by Bure Perry and Gary Hughes. I've lost my closing. There it is. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, you can find us online at facebook.com slash groups slash Bombardiers Lounge. Bombardiers. Yeah, go join us uh, there in Facebook. That's where everything happens. And you can find our website, photobombpodcast.com is our website. You can find Gary's website at HughesFiorelli.com. Yes, you can. My website is BureyPerry.com. And you can send us questions. Just send them to questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. Bye.